even try, guy. When the pay still here, no, we never I'm die. Going north in the old state throw them hands up and bounce with me. Ask around in the old big city. Ask what's good, and we say big city. Everybody, Django. Welcome back to another edition of Be Our Guest. Today we are honored and excited to have uh, another PBA GM in the hot seat, if you will. That GM is uh, Winnipeg's own Rob. Rob, how are you doing today? Good, Brian. How are you? Doing fantastic. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to have you on, man, because I feel like, and I'm sh I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the podcast or not, or if you have time. But uh, it seems like both myself and Mike um, are pretty, pretty excited and interested to see where you're taking the franchise. Um, you know, they definitely seem like you're, you're headed in the right direction. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do, actually. I'm pretty excited. I think we took a step backwards last year, but it was for the benefit of the team. I think I'm, we're pretty young and we've got a very strong pitching staff. Uh, I've had a lot of offers for a lot of my pitchers and my starting staff <laughs> all down uh, because I'm excited about what uh, I think they can do. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I have listened to some of the podcasts, including my cousin Mark on there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, my cousin Mark has uh, Cologne. So, you know, and actually I'm learning a lot uh, through them. So really great. Uh, <laughs> Well, listen, Rob, you probably should have waited to the end to tell me that because you know that you know that Mark is like my arch rival and he threw a little dirt on me on his podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll stay out of that stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Rob, if, if we could, um, I'd like to get to know you, the person. So so what is what is Rob's uh, day to day life look like? Like, what do you do uh, for a living uh, day to day? Where do you live? Um, you know, what, what's a day in the life of uh, Rob look like? Well, uh, a little bit different these days with the COVID-19 than normal, but uh, um, I am born and raised in Ottawa, so a uh, Canadian boy. Um, I work for the government. I actually work for international affairs. It's, uh, so we do all of the embassies and official residences abroad. Uh, so I'm the negotiator. So for example, recently we uh, moved in New York uh, so that would have been me who would have negotiated that move. Mm. Uh, so it's an exciting job. And I, uh, before COVID-19, I traveled fair, a fair bit, uh, got to see the world, but also took my, uh, my baseball games with me <laughs> and, uh, got a lot of games, uh, done on the flights and, uh, you know, uh, depending on what I'm playing, uh, in, in the hotels. And, uh, so it's been great. That's awesome. So I kind of feel like, Rob, and I'm just going to throw this out there, I feel like you have an unfair advantage. You're a professional negotiator. No wonder, no wonder nobody can, can get a good deal from you. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, but I'm better in real estate than I am in baseball, I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, I, every time he sends me an offer, I, I have to question, okay, why is he sending me this offer? What, yeah. you know? what, is, what does he really want? <laughs> yeah. Am I getting close here? Because I'm still, you know, relative newbie. Uh, I've been around a, a bit now, and I'm learning a lot. Um, but every once in a while, even today, I actually had a question to Gary about something. Because uh, there's a lot involved in this game. Uh, you can really get into the details. And mm -hmm. it seems a difference of opinion on, you know, the quality of players, whether you look at stats, whether you look at their, yeah. their, you know, their pitching potential or, or hitting potential. Uh, and it's a big, you know, it's a big uh, cesspool, if you will, of options. So uh, could I not agree know. more. <laughs> yeah. So let me let let me. Uh, so you said you live in Ottawa. Um, you're 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 from Canada. 
Uh, you mentioned that you're, um, you work for the government. Um, it sounds like you do uh, land acquisition, which, uh, you know, honestly, to me, seems extremely fascinating. You mentioned that you've traveled. What is, um, what's, what, what's your favorite place that you've ever visited, whether it be work-related or, or uh, leisure? Because you said you do a lot of traveling. What's, a, what's the greatest place that you've ever visited? Well, I, so I've been to 42 different countries for my job. And, which is pretty incredible. And uh, my favorite place is Dublin. <laughs> wow. uh, I love Ireland. Jeff, uh, he's talking to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was there maybe four or five times to do a couple of different deals. And uh, I just fell in love with the place, love the atmosphere, love the people, love the Guinness. It, uh, right. You know, it's it's a great place. So I, it's it's that, that would be my favorite. But uh, to be honest, I like and enjoy every place I've been to because they're all different. They all have yeah. different, you know, food, music, uh, culture, all that type of stuff. Unfortunately, you know, most of the time I'm working and there's not a lot of time to do the sightseeing. So I've actually right. been to where I can't tell you what the number one uh, <laughs> is, but you know, I still get a chance to see something pretty cool. It is funny that you say that because you know, the, 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 the dream vacation, if you will, for me and the wife, we've always said we'd like to take like a month, and travel to Ireland and just basically stay in different bed and breakfasts like, like, you know, every couple of days just to see the countryside, to visit the people. Cause I've, I've basically heard what you just talked about, which is the people there are incredible. The hospitality is amazing. And the scenery is the only thing that tops those two. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's actually a, what we want to do similar to that, but they have uh, bike tours. So you go down, up and down the country and you stay at the bed and breakfast and then you get on a cycle and you bike, as, I guess, as far as you can. And then you have dinner and all that type of stuff. So it'd be a beautiful thing to do once nice. all of the, you know, the travel restrictions are lifted and everything's good. Absolutely. So it sounds like you have a pretty interesting job. If, um, if, if you don't mind me asking, Rob, do you have any kids? Are you married? What's, what's home life like, like for you? Yeah. Home life's fantastic. I am married uh, coming up on the 30th anniversary. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've been around a while. I have three uh, great kids. My son is actually beside me here listening to my podcast while he plays Xbox. <laughs> uh, he's a uh, up-and-coming uh, competitive hockey player playing nice. uh, junior A hockey at this point, and we're hopeful that uh, the season gets back on track uh, soon. Uh, and I also have two daughters in their early 20s. Uh, one just finished the university and another one's still in university. So with the COVID, everybody works from home. Uh, <laughs> so we have five people in the house and a big dog. Uh, so it's a busy household. And my little getaway is to come down here in the basement and uh, I'll go PBA and look at my guys. <laughs> Totally, totally get it. You know what? Uh, as a uh, father of a late teen, I have a 17-year-old daughter that's going to be graduating this year. Uh, congratulations that you made it out, uh, Rob, with any hair whatsoever. Two, two girls. You got them both through, uh, through uh, you know, it sounds like uh, they're finishing up on, uh, on their college academics, uh, and that's fascinating. Let me ask you a question real quick about your son. Um, you know that we have other um, dads in the league that have – uh, kids that are aspiring to do great things. You know, obviously Mike, ha his daughter's uh, on, a, on a traveling team. His son is as well. Um, what's that life like? Because um, I haven't had a, a kid do that, but it seems like you really have to dedicate a, not only a ton of time and, and resources, 
but there's quite a bit of travel involved in order to make sure that your son can actually get some notoriety and, and maybe, you know, get in front of, you know, physically viewed in front of the right type of people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's pretty exhaustive, but I'm a hockey player and fan myself. So it's actually, you know, it's almost a hobby as well to, to follow him around. He was down in New Jersey, uh, playing in New Jersey for a competitive team there um, and billeted. Uh, so we were just able to watch him uh, on basically online. There's hockey TV online. And we were able to watch him and we would go down uh, every now and again on a weekend to watch a tournament, that type of thing. Uh, but it does involve travel. But, you know, at the same time, you're really proud. I really enjoy hockey because I had my daughters, they were in dance and cheerleading. And, you know, I'd go to the dance recitals and my da my daughter was a competitive dancer and that's great. Um, but you would be there for three and a half hours and you would see two, three minute dances. Uh, <laughs> that's it. You know, at least on the hockey game, you go and every uh, third shift, uh, he's out there doing something. So it's, uh, I really enjoyed the hockey. Yeah, you know, that's a good point because, uh, you know, in, in, that, in that particular instance, you, you run into one of those situations where you realize, like, uh, it actually takes you longer to get into the, you know, let's say, amphitheater than it does to actually watch the performance. <laughs> yeah, that, and, you know, when she was younger, you know, the dance would be three minutes, but it would take me a minute and a half to find her. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> anyway. So, so let's get, let's get into OTP because I, I'll be honest, I could spend all 30 minutes talking about you and your family and, uh, you know, your life. Cause, uh, I find that stuff fascinating, man. And, uh, congratulations. I, I have four kids myself wow. and, uh, Congrats uh to you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, ev every one of them, except for the daughter, as I mentioned, that's 17 has graduated high school. So, um, they're all, they're all either finishing up. Uh, college or well on their career they went to trade school so um i i can i totally commend you i think uh i think no matter what anyone says i'm electrical engineer the hardest job i've ever done was be a parent <laughs> yeah i i would uh, i'll say that again so i i definitely find that to be factual um let's talk about ootp though um i want to start out by asking you how did you find ootp what is it about ootp that kind of drew you in and and how long have you been playing um, well, it's a bit of a history there. So, uh, I actually started, uh, back in 1980 with APBA. So in 1980, I bought an APBA, uh, tabletop baseball game for the 1979 season that we are family pirates. Uh, and I started, I fell in love with that game to the point where, you know, I was playing every night and in math class, I would take a calculator and the score sheets and make it look like I'm doing math, but I was actually pen and pencil and paper putting down stats. So I've always been a bit of a, that guy. Uh, and that is one of my goals in life, by the way, is to finish that season. I'm in September. Um, and before I die, my plan is to finish the uh, playoffs and declare a champion. It's a, I played every game in it. So it's a lot it. of fun. But back then, my cousin Mark, who now is, uh, you know, you know him uh, as Cologne, um, we used to also play, uh, you know, Stratomatic, uh, um football, Stratomatic football. We used to play these games. Uh, and then we moved to APBA computer games. And then uh, Mark left that for a while. And I don't know, maybe it's been about four years now, maybe I've played this, maybe three. Uh, Mark kept sending me this email saying, Rob, you got to try out of the park. And I said, you know, I'm in a, I'm in 
baseball rotisserie leagues. I'm in uh, APBA. I'm in a dynasty league that I've been doing for 20 years. I'm trying to finish my, my tabletop. <laughs> you know, I got a lot on the go. I, I can't. And he just kept saying, you just, just give it a try. So I said, okay. And it was actually, there were two, I ended up uh, signing up for two. So one was uh, MLBSD, the one the clay runs. And then this one, uh, mm-hmm. PBA. And uh, I did give it a try. And, you know, it took me about two days to think, wow, I'm hooked. This is good. <laughs> uh I, and it was, you know, APBA, you play head to head and you play the games, you manage kind of in games, but you certainly don't manage to the extent that you do an OTP in terms of, you know, staff, budgets and, uh, you know, your accounting, your ticket prices. It's just really, it's all, it's an all encompassing world. And I really, really liked it. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing uh, early on, but uh, I was kind of, uh, okay, I've got a new hobby. And it kind of took over, <laughs> to be honest, sometimes APBA, I'll just sim it <laughs> because right. I really, I really like the out of the park, uh, out of the park baseball. It's, it's interesting. It's fun. Uh, there's a lot to it. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan. So obviously you're, you're, you're no, you're no stranger and you're, you're not what we would call a, a rookie, if you will, to baseball simulation games. So my question, my, my, my next question to you would be is what aspects of the PBA or better, what aspects of OOTP do you really enjoy and what aspects do you wish uh, they, there was either changes or you had more control over? Um. Well, one aspects I like, obviously, the attention to detail. And, uh, you know, I'll just speak to the PBA. I mean, Gary runs this uh, a great tight ship. Uh, I always know what's going on. It's a great system. Uh, I look, I make sure that I read his comments every day, to you know, so that I know what I'm doing. Um, the aspects of this game in terms of the scouting, uh, I love the scouting. Uh, I love how volatile the players can develop. I think mm-hmm. it mimic real life. You know, I've also drafted players in a, in, in real baseball, looking at players that you think are going to turn turn out to be gems and they're not and other guys who aren't. And all of a sudden they're a star. I think this happens in this game. It's enough. There's enough volatility here so that, you know, it's not just set. Whoever's picking first is going to get the number one pick. Who's going to be the number one player forever. Um, that's not the case here. So I really like that element of it. Um, just, just a level of detail. I think the front office in terms of the, uh, you know, the salaries and your planning for your budgets and your ticket prices, all that type mm-hmm. of kind of management is also very exciting. I don't know that there's anything, you know, I was really impressed with the move to 21. I like the scouting accuracy, uh, the reports that they added. So they seem to improve it every time. Um, if there's anything I'd improve, it's it's uh, probably my team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, two years ago, I, I actually had a winning record and I try no matter what. Like, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, uh, losing uh, for two, three years to build a team because in my mind, I'd like to put you know, fans in the seats kind of thing. Uh, so we want to be competitive as much as we can. And last year we took a little bit of a step back. So that was a bit frustrating, um, but it's not the game's fault. Again, I'm still learning. And you know what? Uh, one of the, it's not an error necessarily, but if you recall, we had uh, agreed to make changes to the park dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and my park was outside because I inherited this from. I was gonna. I was gonna actually ask you that because it did seem like there was a pretty significant drop from twenty-two when you made the playoffs to twenty-three. So, so go ahead and continue. Yeah. So what happened was my park was a bad. You know, it was a box, um, and uh, it was outside the dimensions that we needed to do. So I actually modified it. It's fairly neutral but it really favors kind of the left-handed pole hitters because so my fence and all that kind of stuff. And that's great, except that my team was not set up for that at all. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rob. Are you telling me you set up your, you set up your, your, your park in a, in a, in a way that favored the opponents coming in? (laughs) That's That's exactly what I did. So uh, I really didn't take a good look at the time at, Oh, I, I was trying to really, kind of meet the dimensions, but at the same time, make a cool park, right? Uh, and I didn't really look at my team closely to say, hey, wait a minute, am I creating a park that's going to hurt me? And it did. Um, at the time, I didn't have a lot of left-handed pitching and you know, to curb the left-handed pull hitters hitting them over the fence. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I didn't have the left-handed bats. Um, I, I did in the system, but I didn't actually have it on the team. A lot of right-handed and switch hitters that you know were better right-handed. Uh, so I found that the next season I really plummeted and I think part in part, it was due to the uh, dimensions of the park, but knowing that I was able to build, and it's one of the reasons I had the pitching staff I now have. So if you look at my starters, kind of my big mm-hmm. three, Worcester, Peachin and Craven are all kind of my future starters and they're all left-handed. Right. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, I now have more lefties than righties on my staff. And I actually have some left-handed power hitting coming in um, that, that my park won't be the problem. It's funny you mentioned that because um, that is a question I was going to ask you about. But because if you look at the difference between 2022 when you made the playoffs and 2023, from a batting average perspective, the difference was literally only two points. It's, I mean, it's negligible, right? But the ERA jumped up uh, almost 0.3, like 30%, if you will, Uh, which, you know, to me, the only thing I can attribute that to, that's what I was going to ask you was how much did your park change? Because to me, that seems like a pretty significant jump, but you did just answer that. How long have you been playing um, OOT specifically? Were you, did you, what year did you come in in the PBA as well? Uh, I think the year before I made the playoffs, so I took over and it might've been, yeah, actually I might've had the tail end of 20, uh, and then I had 21 and then I made the playoffs the following year. So, okay. So you've made the playoffs one time in this particular league, Rob, in let's say six seasons. What is it specifically about that team that you think gave you the edge and and when's the next time that you're that you believe realistically that you're going to be a, a playoff contender well when i took over that team uh, again the the park was uh, a real hitters park at the time uh and i had some you know quality hitters they could put it over the fence uh i had some overachieving players if you will because uh, you know there were guys like Dewar and, and a couple other guys like that who had big seasons that year. Uh, I think I won my first round uh, of the mm-hmm. playoffs well, and, uh, and then I bowed out maybe in six, uh, but we were certainly competitive. But it was a little bit more on the hitting side in that park. Um, and maybe, you know, you need a little luck with it as well. Um, but then with the change, obviously it's been a bit of a rebuild. But I do feel, I think this year, 
I should be a 500 or above team uh, again, which would be nice. And I think two to three years down the road, as long as the pitching staff stays healthy, you know, I'm kind of set with the, what I call the, my big three. Uh, they're not all there yet. I think Worcester is. Uh, he's kind of my ace. Uh, but Noah Peachin was my first-round pick. I traded for Craven. All three left-handers, you know, the ERAs were all under four, which is great. Uh, and I have some really good young hitters. You know, my catcher, Henshaw, was already an all-star. He's very young. Um, but he should, you know, he should do very, very well. He's 23 years old, just turned 23, and his numbers were great. Uh, and, again, he's a lefty. Um, and then, you know, I got some other guys like uh, Bogart, other lefty hitter. Uh, so I think, you know, I, and I, tr I traded for Dale Murphy. Um, mm -hmm. so hoping that he is another guy who can give me some more offense. Uh, I would think that, you know, I expect 500 ball this year. And I think the following two to three years with this team, I should be very competitive. With yeah. I think that that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, clearly I, I think you've done a great job with your pitching staff, as you've mentioned. Um, I think, you know, you, you, you look back, I don't know if you ever actually go back and look at previous drafts and, and take a look and see who the best, you know, star rated players are. But for example, like Noah Peachin, you know, you selected him 11th overall. There was like nine pitchers selected ahead of him. And I think there's only one other five-star pitcher from that draft. So you, uh, you've done very well for yourself there. Uh, another interesting facts, and this is uh, thanks to uh, Jeff and uh, Sean. Um, as far as Total War is concerned, Worcester is 11th all-time in Total War. Did you know that? No, but I'm, I'm not surprised, but no, I didn't. Yeah, well, so those trade offers. <laughs> yeah, so but my point being is is that you definitely you have a quote unquote like your legitimate, you know, as you mentioned, your legitimate ace. You have two up and coming guys that are that are very interesting. You have some some power guys, if you will, that are that are kind of up and coming. Um who's who's a guy right now that that either, you know, if if you really don't pay a close attention to Winnipeg you probably never heard of this name, but, you know, maybe by the end of this year or next year might end up being a household name. Like who's the next up and coming guy in your organization that you think is just going to be a superstar? Um, well, I actually think it's Bogart. Uh, I don't know if people know. He's still 23 years old. Uh, he played his first quasi full season last year. He was out for a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, he slashed 278, 373, 509. Mm -hmm. Only a war, but, you know, he's 23. Uh, he's a lefty. He's going to take advantage of the park. His numbers across the board are pretty, pretty good uh, green. Uh, he's a leader. Um, you know, my scout has him uh, right now at a high level with four-star potential. He's still only at three, and he's already putting up numbers. Yep. Uh, he he hit, I think he was the player of the year in AAA. He hit 51 uh, home runs at AAA with 132 RBIs. Uh, so this guy is my, you know, going forward, my lefty uh, first baseman, and I'm hoping for a long time. And I think he'll end up being, you know, uh, our representative at the All-Star game, along with Henry. You've been playing. You've been playing the game obviously for a few years now, and if you've listened to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard this. But when you evaluate players, whether it be specifically for the draft or free agency, I'm assuming you look at these differently. But when you're evaluating players, like what 
what in particular are you looking for? Because you've had a lot of success drafting rookies, like you said, like Peachin and some of these other guys, Bogart. What specifically are you looking for? Do you just strictly focus on potential? Do you look at how they performed when they were, you know, in college? Or, you know, what, what stats uh, does Rob really kind of focus in on, if you will, while you're, you're kind of looking at, at how these guys could project? I try to identify guys that have upside without a lot of negatives. So it's everything. So if, if a guy has great ratings, but his stats sucked, then I would avoid him. Same thing as he, his, his ratings aren't great, but his stats are amazing. I'd avoid him. You know, he's got good ratings, good stats, but the personality issues are all there. I'd avoid him. So that, that's my strategy. I'm looking, I'd rather have someone who is, is good not great but good at all of those just mm -hmm. doesn't have negatives and i'll gamble with that guy um you know that said i've, I've i have drafted the occasional uh person that may, might have uh you know something in the red but uh that's kind of my strategy and as well uh it's for my now that i know my park very well and my team very well i'll draft for my needs so okay i'll, I'll there might be a five-star righty and a four-star lefty. I'll go with the four-star lefty uh, right now. Uh, same thing with a lot of position play. Any concern at all? Because obviously, let's say, let's say over the course of the next year or two that um, you do make the playoffs. And it's probably not a concern right now because obviously um, you do have several righties. But do you have any concern about becoming too left-handed um, to where you face a team, for example, like, uh, you know, like Paris that has four lefty starters and that could potentially be an issue. Like how balanced are you trying to keep your lineup? Yeah, it's more on the pitching side that I'm focused on the lefties than the hitting. I did want some hitting on the left side, but as I say, I also sign, you know, uh, Murphy is a right-handed mm -hmm. power fine long-term. So uh, no, I definitely want balance and I'll platoon in some positions. I mean, obviously if I have a good lefty hitter that can left-handed pitching i'll make sure that one of my spots is a good right-handed uh, bat replacement for him uh so no i'm not looking especially on the on the hitting side uh not as much as on the pitching side i just i just don't want power teams to come into my park and hit a bunch of balls over the right field wall <laughs> <laughs> right you, you, you want to stay in every game yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i i can completely understand that well listen your your pitching staff for the most part, right? I think that that this is. You tell me if this is a fair statement. Outside of Worcester, your pitching staff is ridiculously young. They're yeah. they're pretty unproven. But last year you had the number two uh, starter ERA collectively at four six six, which is not bad. I would only suspect them to get better. The thing that it seemed like, at least on, on the team rankings page, that your team kind of struggled with is the offensive categories, right? 10th and run scored, 10th and home runs, 10th and on base percentage. What have you done or what are you expecting to, to happen to kind of combat that this upcoming year and maybe potentially next year in order to put you in a position to make the playoffs? Well, I think – uh, my lineup is as equally as young as my pitching staff. So uh, for starters, we signed Murphy and, you know, he's 25 years old. I gave him a long-term contract. 
hoping that he pops a whole bunch over the over the fence. Uh, but we have a bunch of other young guys who should be coming to their own. I mentioned Bogart. I mentioned Henshaw. He's 23. I have uh, I traded for Frederick Dijon. He's, he's actually another lefty, so a little bit of a competition there. Um, but, you know, even our starting third base this year is going to be 24 years old. Um, we're, we're still young, but I'm hoping that most of these guys develop. And I did actually increase my development, uh, budget this year mm-hmm. in hopes that, uh, guys will take off a little bit more than they have in the past. Uh, at the same time, I think I still have a couple of, you know, stabilizing presence in the lineup. Uh, Kirby Adler was a great trade for me. Uh, his numbers have been great over the last couple of years. I mean, although his numbers went down 25, he hit 41 home runs for me. Um, but he's still 29 years old, uh, can play outfield and first base, and he can bat right at first base in case there is a tough lefty that's going to give my left-handed uh, hitters uh, trouble. Um, now, I'm still kind of looking into the market. I want to see how things went with Rule 5 and that. Uh, maybe to do another upgrade uh, in my lineup. And mm-hmm. particularly, I think I'm looking at second base. You know, it's funny, I uh, – I landed a really great five-star second baseman. And for a fleeting moment, I thought I was in PBA. (laughs) But I was in another game. And I thought, oh, geez, I wish I was in PBA with this guy. Because that would have, you know, solidified my lineup really nicely. Very frustrating. Um, So second base is kind of an area that I'm looking to improve on. Uh, And I'm kind of in the market maybe to find somebody. Uh, But other than that, I think my offense is going to be average i think my pitching is trending to above average um the combination of the two over the next couple years if i make another key maybe one maybe two acquisitions i should be uh you know playoff bound absolutely rob and i and i do agree with you you know what i i just looked at the nuts and bolts of the uh, adler deal like i think hands down uh and i think honolulu i think carrie would say the same thing i think you won that the adler trade for sure uh, he's performed brilliantly for you, and not that, uh, not the, not that the counterpiece that you traded away has been bad, but once again, you know, you look at Adler, who's had you know ten plus WAR over those three seasons, and Osborne's had you know one WAR. Like I think clearly you you you've won that trade. So that definitely seems like a, a definite uh, feather in the cap, if you will, for you there. I'm curious. I'm curious when you um, are constructing a roster, and I think I think I already know the direction you're going to go in this. But one of the questions I like to ask people is, if if Rob, you could you could start from scratch, right? And I'm going to give you, let's just say, five or six players that that you know you get to kind of pick before anybody else. Like, what is like an ultimate Rob team look like? Like, is it just you know completely pitching you know dominance? Is it a very defensive-based team? Is it all offense all the time? I mean, I'm sure if you've listened, we've had people that are very much about the long ball. We've had guys that are about on-base percentage. We've had guys that are very much about dominant pitching. Like, where do you fall in that spectrum? Like, what is, you know, obviously I know we all have to settle in some aspect, but if you could have the ideal Rob team, what does that look like? You know what? It probably looks exactly like what I said about what I look for at the draft, which is a very balanced approach with no weaknesses. So decent is starting pitching, decent relief, a good defense. I don't have weaknesses on the defensive side. Good hitting, not necessarily great, good mix of power, uh, some speed, uh, really kind of a team that you can't say they're weak in an area. 
but I certainly wouldn't load up on either side. Like to me, you know, pitching, hitting, and defense are three aspects of the game. And to be honest, I think you need all three to win a a league like this because there's so many good teams, good managers. So that would be it. I think it would be one where you go, okay, you know, they're not the number one power team. They're not the number one pitching team. They're not the number one speed team. Um, But, you know, we're we're third or fourth in all those categories. That would be the idea for me. Okay. So – I don't know if you heard our way too early preseason predictions as uh, I I didn't even have time to prepare for that as, as Mike, Mike brought me on the air and said, Hey, we're going to do this. But uh, in your division, Mike really, really likes your team quite a bit, even a little bit more than myself, but he has you making the playoffs next year. And so I'm curious, aspiration wise, like, do you see yourself, as a playoff team or a potential playoff team in this next um, next season, and where do you see yourself in comparison with the rest of the division? Um, my expectations, I think the playoffs would be a bonus this year. Um, as I said, my expectation was to play 500 or better this season with the goal, you know, the following season or two or three to compete on a consistent basis for playoffs. However, having said that, if that's the case and I'm kind of, you know, vying for a uh, playoff spot this year, then at the trade deadline, I will look to maybe improve to make a run because I do have uh, now a pretty good uh, farm system, some pretty good young arms, and I could probably land something to help me out. But as of right now, the goal is, you know, 500 or above just not to have a repeat of last year's losing season and return to, you know, some sort of competitive form. You mentioned that uh, Mark from Cologne is your, your cousin. Obviously you guys have been playing um, baseball simulation games for a while. So I already know what Mark would say if I asked him, but I got to ask you who, who's better at baseball simulation. You or you or Mark. Well, you know, I'm going to give him the out of the park because he has a lot more experience uh on the out of the park although i will say that you know in this one he's ahead of me uh i have the red Sox in another one that i'm giving him a, a beating in so <laughs> i'm i'm holding my own uh and i have the giants in another one and then we seem to be up on his arizona so i actually might be up uh two to one on this but nice. uh, i you know when he sends me a trade offer i have to question it right away <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, I, I, I cannot accept this because I already know there's some shenanigans going on here. <laughs> exactly. No, I'll give I'll give him the odd on out of the park. I think I got him on APBA, and it's a toss-up for some of the others. <laughs> That's awesome. I think it's really cool that you guys have kind of that, uh, if you will, like family rivalry. Um, I'm curious, and, and you know, I, I know there's zero chance that, you know, you have so much time and effort invested, and he does as well, but I, I'm just curious – if you had the opportunity, right, like let's say we were going to do a hard reset. If you had the opportunity, would you want to be in the same division as Mark so you could literally go head-to-head? Or do you prefer the fact that you guys are in separate uh, divisions, if you will, and the only way you meet is in the championship? Yeah, no, absolutely. If, if we did that, and I'm happy with everything the way it is, uh, we're both going to have to earn a chance to play each other. But, yeah, I like, uh, I like that idea. Um, in one of them where I'm the Red Sox, he's the Blue Jays. So we do have one where we're in the same division and that's the one that I'm, uh, I'm kicking his butt right now. So I'm happy yeah. about that. You'll have but, to make uh, sure yeah. you post, oh. a, you have to make sure you post screenshots for us in, in the general chat every time you beat him. 
Although, you know, if I do that, he'll get more competitive and probably turn his team around. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Rob, your, your, your team, like I said, very much an up-and-coming team. You have a lot of great-looking pitching. Uh, and one of the things that I, I, I did, I know these just random stats, but, but one of the things that I did prepping for the show is I noticed – that your team doesn't have any kind of logo, if you will, on the jersey. And there's only three teams total in the entire league that doesn't have a logo or the team name on the jersey. Is that by design, or did you inherit this team that way? Well, I actually converted from the team I, I, I took, and we got the hat and cap and logo. But to be honest, I didn't even realize that. So thank you for pointing it out, and I will fix that because I'd rather have a jersey. No, certainly not by design. It's an omission. I'll uh, I'll address that. Thank you. Listen, listen. Leave it to the California kid to just just crush the Winnipeg Possums' dream, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I, it's all good. We're still working on our brand. You know, we got to have some reason for people to go up to Winnipeg. It's pretty cold. <laughs> you know, uh, my my, uh, my family's actually from. Uh, Canada my my uh, great or my grandmother actually competed uh in the 60s in the Olympics for the Canadian team uh in swimming and in track so the roots are there I've never actually visited there but she absolutely loves it there and still complains about coming down here to uh the United States <laughs> so, where, where uh, you from where what part of Canada uh she's from Winnipeg oh from Winnipeg yeah, she's from Winnipeg. So, so she's I'll, a fan. Oh, huge, <laughs> huge. For ticket. Yeah, it's and, and hockey, like you mentioned, hockey was not uh, an option. It was you're a hockey fan, <laughs> whether you want to be yeah, or not. Here, it's a way. Now, life skills here, you, you know, swimming so that you don't drown, and skating so that you can skate. Those are your two life skills you have to have as a kid. <laughs> right. So let me ask you a couple more questions uh, outside the game. So you mentioned the activities that you do with, uh, with your kids, which I think is awesome, and um, the other mathematical league of baseball. Is there any other hobbies or anything else that you enjoy doing outside of the game? I mean, your life seems incredibly busy, but um, what, else, what else do you, uh, you enjoy doing when you have a, a moment to yourself? Uh, well, I'm a bit of a sports nut myself, so I do a lot, uh, typically. And, you know, right now due to COVID, uh, a lot of our things were canceled this winter, but uh, I'm pretty active. So I play uh, in a couple of hockey leagues, uh, like a good Canadian guy would. Uh, I play basketball. Uh, I was a competitive tennis player, and I just play tennis. Uh, golf occasionally. Um, you know, pretty much everything. I even started up uh, pickleball. Uh, to, you know, one of the latest phrases here. So I'm doing a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, you name it. Kind of anything uh, sport, you know, sporty. Uh, I try to keep in half decent shape, um, which is getting harder uh, <laughs> as I get older. But uh, yeah, so between and, and it's a good kind of getaway from the computer, because obviously I spend a lot of time on the computer. Um for work and then when as soon as work ends you know i'm putting on otp here and and looking at my team problems uh so it's nice to get out and do some exercise as well so that's kind of you know between all of that that's a full day yeah it sounds like a full day <laughs> so that's i've only got day. yeah absolutely robin you know what it sounds like you're you're, you're doing it right um i only have a couple more questions for you i really appreciate your time and, and being gracious with it 
So um, Jeff uh, from Vancouver actually brought this up, and I, and I thought this was pretty interesting. So I told him that moving forward, I would ask the guests as they come on. And unfortunately, you're guest number one. So you're the guinea pig. You have to ask, you have to answer the tough questions. So you may be surprised or you may not to find out that uh, in the history of the PBA in the uh, nine seasons that only one time has the ARL won a championship. The other seven times have all come from the French side, um, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, there's, there's been a lot of really dominant teams over on the ARL side, but the FR, FRL has definitely dominated. Well, right now with the French quarter division, having Paris, Cologne, Vancouver, and Seattle, all at 95 plus one teams, over the course of the next four years, over under of three, how many championships do you believe come from the French Quarter, or do you think it finally swings back to the ARL? Well, that is a very, very competitive uh, division. No, no question. There's some experienced guys there. They've got powerhouse teams. Um, but you know, things kind of go in waves, uh, and trends and you can't stay up there. I, I don't think with, you know, the draft and development, uh, the other side is coming, uh, you know, Vegas is very strong. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of competition. I, I would say that it should be kind of returning to 50, 50, uh, if you will. I was not, un, uh, uh, I was not aware of that stat. It's a pretty substantial difference. Yeah, only only Montana. Montana is the only ARL team to ever win a championship, and in the in the FRL side, there's two teams that have actually won twice. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I think the Montana win, um, and they were also a strong team. Uh, you know, I would forecast uh, going forward in the next four seasons that it swings a little bit back, and maybe it goes okay. to. Uh, because there are some up and coming teams for sure. Uh, you know, I think hopefully we're going to be there, you know, two, three years, uh, maybe grab one of those, uh, towards the end of that. Nice. Um, but, uh, we'll see, we still got a long way to go and, and they're very good. I mean, these guys know what they're doing. They obviously, you know, you get 95 plus wins, you've got strength in your, in your lineup. And I looked at a couple of them and it's not like, uh, some of these teams are, you know, really old on their last legs and they're going to be, you know, plummet down to 60 win teams. Uh, they're right. still going to be competitive. So it's going to be tough. So I certainly wouldn't say, you know, when the over under question um, that all of a sudden we're going to win three or four of the next four. Uh, but I do expect that to even out. Okay. So would it be fair to say then, because Jeff said three of the next five from the French quarter. So that's just the one division. That's not even the French Latin division. That's just the one division. Would we say that then that you would take the under, that it would be under three out of the next five years? Yes, I'll take the under on that. Okay, very good. So the next question that he proposed was same division, French quarter division. Who is the first team that does not make the playoffs? Paris, Cologne, Vancouver, or Seattle? Um, you know what? That's a tough that question. feeling. You ju just go for it. And uh, I'm totally fine with you saying Mark, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Then I'll, I'll really pay for that in other leagues or something. Right. Uh, you know what? That's tough. I, 
you know what? I'll say I'll say Seattle, and the only okay. reason I'll say Seattle is I do know because I had Rich Nunn, uh, and Rich Nunn it was excellent in Winnipeg. Um, but this guy is getting older. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a great starter. He's fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he pitched 201 innings uh, as a fragile pitcher last year, um, which is, you know, phenomenal to get 200 innings out of a fragile pitcher. At 33, uh, I think if he goes down, which is possible, and I'm not wishing this, certainly mm-hmm. I do ask the question because Seattle's still got a very good team. Um I would say that they might be the team that misses the playoffs. Uh, okay. It, uh, that would be my guess. Yeah, and I, I think, you know what, honestly, I think that that is a, you know, a legitimate concern, as you said. You know, I, I will say that, like you mentioned, like to have a fra- fragile pitcher literally over the course of the last four years throw at least 180 innings, like like extremely lucky, right? Like he's not had an injury in four or five years as a fragile guy and he is getting older. So I think that's definitely a legitimate concern as you bring up. Um, so the last question is, and this is kind of uh, this is kind of more to kind of poke at Gary, but I'm sure if you know Gary at all, Gary has not made a championship game literally in the entire time he's been playing OOTP. He's never made a championship game. So, and he's, and, and if you look at, um, if you look at uh, the history of New York, um, they have made the playoffs, but never made the championship game. So my question is, well, actually, this is Jeff's question. In the next 10 years, does New York make a championship game? Um, yes. And I'll say that, I mean, Gary, he knows what he's doing. His team, uh, I think, is should should compete. I wonder sometimes when I see that whether or not you know the amount of work that it takes to run this, uh, whether that it kind of is a factor on trying to, to focus on just mm-hmm. your team. Uh, there's a lot of work involved. He does an awful lot, so just doing that and trying to build a championship team might be a bit of a challenge. But uh, yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, his, he, he should be there. Uh, I, I suspect he will in the next 10 years. And I wasn't aware of that either, uh, that he hadn't won. Um, Never, yeah, he's he actually, before the uh, the PBA, uh, he was in a, a league called the ABL with Mike and Bob and some of the other these other guys. And Gary has told me himself that, um, you know, although Bob is one and Mike is one and some of the other guys have won, even Scott Davis from Orlando has won, he has never won a championship. So, you know, obviously, like you said, all the time and effort uh, that he has put in uh, definitely would be nice to see him win one. I just, you know, throwing that question out there because it did get dropped in our mailbag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope he does because he does assert a, an awful lot for us. Um, you know, what were they, three and a half games back out of a wild card last year? Yeah, uh, he was absolutely, yeah. 78 wins got you into to game 163 last year, and he was yeah. at 75. Yeah, so I mean, he's not that far off. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping for him. I'm pulling for him. Okay, two I'm questions. Anyway, I just I, I I picked Seattle because you put me on the spot, but I, I I'm pulling for you too, and I hope none does stay healthy. It was just rather not upset anybody else on the podcast. <laughs> hey, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is no apology necessary. You know what? If you look at the average age, my team is older than the other guys, but yeah. believe me, I, I have concerns over none, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I gave up a ton, but that's the reason why I got Chris Hill, who I think is 
probably a top 10 pitcher in the league, um, you know, to kind of solidify. And, and basically I'm counting on none to be three or number three or number four. He's not a, the number one or number two guy in the rotation. So I, I, I definitely, um, definitely have no issue or qualm there. You know, I, like you said, I ask you an honest question. I appreciate an honest response. Um, I do have two more questions for you though. First question, and I know you've heard this before, but stranded on a desert island, you're allowed to bring three things with you in order to survive for six months. You don't need to worry about food um, or water. What do you bring with you in order to make it through that next six months? So food and water is there. Does that include the alcohol? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, well, my wife's not an earshot, so I need a replacement there. <laughs> 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 I, I got myself in trouble with that as well because when I got asked that question, I didn't say my wife, and she's like, "Really? We've been we've been together twenty years." <laughs> yeah, I think I I need a computer to be in the internet. That's right. I'll uh, give you that as one. That's as one because you got to have your OTP. Yeah, I I need a TV with uh you know some, all the sports channels I could get. Okay. And uh, yeah, the other thing I mentioned. <laughs> you gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Well, very, very good, Rob. Last question for you, and you'll be off the hot seat. And then if you have any questions for me, you can ask. But the last question for you is this. And I think that this is really going to be interesting with you because you've played so many different variations of baseball simulation. What is something um, or, or multiple things that you didn't know when you first started OTP or baseball simulation that you now know that you wish like you would have known that you could maybe impart wisdom to some of these guys that, you know, maybe have only been playing six months or a year. Or maybe this is their first time in this league. Well, I think, you know, what I mentioned before, I learned the hard way about my park and then building my team to my park because, you know, it's not like any other sport, basketball, hockey, everything's the same size, right? In this, you actually have different dimensions. There are different parks. I noticed that I think somebody uh, spent some uh, pimp money on this mm -hmm. last go around to change their park. Uh, really, you need to build your team uh, designed around or tailored to your park uh, because it really makes a difference. As I say, I, you know, I went from the playoffs to a sub 500 team with basically a, the same team, but a change of park uh, and it was substantial. So first thing would be, okay, what kind of park do you have? What do you need? Is it a hitter's park, a pitcher's park, a short porch, left field, right field, and then design. And it's kind of baseball is unique in that way because you think of every other sport, um, you know, the, the uh, field, if you will, is the same. Uh, so it's very different in that respect. Um, we've got altitude, we've got, you know, we, so many factors. Uh, it's, it's amazing that this game has. So that would be my first thing. Um, and other than that, I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure out um, how important the staff is. You know, the, the minor league staff, for example, I've got, you know, how important is it to have a hitting coach that is a good reputation mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, focuses on a particular aspect and you've got six guys that, you know, he'll, he'll benefit. Um, how important is it versus a, you know, a cheapy throw-in guy? Are you saving money there or are they really right. developments? And to be honest, this game is very detailed and I still don't know some of those questions, but I am learning. 
So the other kind of advice I think would be was is to actually take a look at that, monitor it, take a look at your players and see, you know, who's developing and who isn't and see if you can identify why. Uh, and actually, it's a question out there I wouldn't mind hearing other people's thoughts about and yours. Okay. Uh, about the, the personnel and how important, you know, your rookie league pitching coaches like is it would you rather have a pitching coach in the rookie league that you know is has got an excellent uh, reputation and you're paying you know a million bucks a year for or you know would you rather have that person at the triple a level kind of thing right um and, and i think that's a great answer and and usually this is the point point in which i typically will segue and say hey do you have any questions for me but you kind of asked one so i'll answer it so if you look at my personnel, um, I typically, if you look at the reputation, I almost always have managers that are either poor, average, or fair. Um, I don't believe in paying big money um, to those salaries. That's just me. Everybody has a different opinion. I uh, play in five different leagues. Um, I'm one of those guys that I haven't been playing a long time, but when I go all in on something, I go all in. <laughs> so although I've only been playing uh, the game for about a year and a half or a little over maybe, I probably have 30 plus seasons under my belt. And I really truly don't necessarily believe that it makes a significant difference. Now, you know, I've heard, you know, I, I do just because – I think that there may be a slight boost. So if you look, I'll typically try to have, for example, um, I, I prefer my hitting coaches to either be contact driven or patient driven. Um, because I do think that if there is something that they are going to consistently work on in the minors, I'd rather it be that than power, because I think power is something that develops later. So typically if you like for me, anyways, if my hitting coach in the, in the major leagues typically is the guy that I'll put in as quote unquote power. Um, and when I hired him, like my guy used to be poor or inexperienced and he's now great. So keep in mind that how good they are is directly linked with what the, the, the success of the franchise, right? It's not necessarily a correlation to how great of a coach they are, because like right now I just hired, uh, you know, an assistant GM that's inexperienced that has no experience, but you know, if, if my team makes the playoff two or three years in a row, he's going to be, he's going to have a good reputation. So that's going to change fairly quickly. So if you go to hire, for example, like, uh, you know, former, former Paris, you know, coaches, they're almost always going to have a great reputation that doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, mean that they're a great manager. I think what's more important is making sure that those people profile the type of things you're looking for. Like my pitching coaches, um, if you look three, three out of the five are ground ballers. I typically like ground ball type pitchers. Um, so I will focus on trying to get ground ball guys, but I also prefer cheap. So if the ground ball guys are expensive, then I might go with finesse, you know, or I might go with neutral. Um, so that's just, that's just me personally. I really truly do not see the added value in putting in a ton of money on the coaches. Now, as you know, <clears throat> there is a little bit of a difference between, what your salary is or what your budget is and how much money you have available, right? Because your budget is basically the cap, if you will, and how much money you have um, is, 
is a, an extenuation, if you will. I'm trying to think of the, the appropriate word, but is basically an extenuation of that. So if you look at like, for example, like your budget, um, it has all that, you know, it'll have your player salaries under there. It'll have your staff expenses. It'll have all that information. So because the staff's expenses are, are incorporated into the budget, the same way people will flex um, up and down what their um, developmental budget is based off of what their needs are at the pros. I think you can also do that as a staff, right? So like, let's say you're in a, you know, you're, let's say you're in a situation like Montreal, or let's say you're in a situation like um, Dublin, right? Like you're not expecting to compete for the next two years. Maybe it's okay to, to hire better coaches that have quote unquote great skills or legendary skills because you can afford it. It's okay to spend 10 or $15 million on staff at the point where I'm at right now. It doesn't make sense for me to spend $15 million a year on staff expenses because I need every penny to be able to compete at the pro level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a different approach you know, and it's a quite—it's a valid question. I am not sure yet whether or not it pays off, but I went a different way. I actually tried to get kind of high level, and I do pay a lot for it. But if you look at mine, and I have just checked out yours, and I, I see that. You Perfect. Know, got... <laughs> yeah. So I went the other way. If you look at mine, you know, I, I've got it's the only uh, fair or lower person on here is me <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny you said that i look up and down real quick you're absolutely right <laughs> yeah oh well, you better you know, get your game together otherwise winnipeg may fire you <laughs> yeah exactly right now i'm targeted i should hire some poor guys so they can look elsewhere um <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's interesting and i haven't really seen the development i'm not sure maybe i'm taking away from my development budget by hiring the coaches and, you know, it's one of those toggle switches where you're not really sure what the payback is. So I'm trying to monitor that and I'm trying to learn from that. Right. Uh, but again, it's, it, that's the greatness of the game is there's so many different ways to approach it, right? Right. And the, and the thing is, is right, is, you know, like, don't take my word for it. Like you said, I mean, definitely do your own research. I, I you know, I mean, there's so many guys out here like Gary and, and Scott Davis and, and Christian and, you know, Mike at Disney that, that had been playing this game. I mean, literally like Mike's been playing this game for like 12 years. So, I mean, they have a ton of experience, but like, in my opinion, like if you look at my entire coaching staff from the pros all the way down to rookie league, I think my total budget for all the guys is 4.5 million. You're paying 2.6 million just to your manager at the pro league pro level. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, yeah. and there, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that because you're in a position where that's, it's not an issue, right, at this point. But for someone like me, because if you look at my cap situation, yes, I have some money out, but I also have some pending offers. I'm expecting to have probably about six, seven million dollars for flexibilities, whether it be deadline moves, whether it be, you know, whatever, just have cash on hand. Well, if I had, you know, a $12 million staff payroll instead of a four, I wouldn't have that cap flexibility to be able to use that on the pro team. Right now I'm competing. So I want to leave that money available at the pro level. If I get to the point where I'm in rebuild mode, then you know what, you can take some of that budget away from the pro level and put it back in the minor leagues. Um, I will give you one other interesting tidbit, and I don't know 100% that this is true or not. So once again, everybody's fair to, um, you know, criticize or whatever. 
I'm also <clears throat> in the research that I've done. So I've simulated like 30, 40 seasons offline. I don't necessarily believe that your, your developmental budget directly affects your development of your guys rookie league through AAA. What I believe it affects is your international free agents. I believe when you have a higher scouting budget, what ends up happening is you find and develop talent better internationally. Like they, they seem to pop off more, they develop more, but the guys that you get in the draft, I think overall develop pretty much the way you would expect. My, my budget developmentally has been fairly low for quite some time. And my guys have, have still developed, you know, rookie through rookie through triple a level, I would say probably on par with everybody else's, you know, every year they develop, they go to the next level. And pretty much if you look at my rosters now at the pro level, I would say three quarters of that roster has went up through my system. You know, my center fielder, Lonnie Springer, uh, my catcher, uh, Clary, right fielder, Grayson. I mean, all these guys are all guys, Ulrich. These are all guys that have come up through my system and have developed through my system, even with a very limited budget. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't had much luck with the uh, with the international recruits. I mean, generally, my guy recruits guys with no arms, or you know, well, and that's and that's what I'm saying about the budget is, and this is this, and I could be wrong, but this is where I think it would be interesting to look at this further. So I'm saying, like, your guy finds a guy right that's a let's say a one out of one star or a yeah. half out of half star potential. He's yeah. a 16 year old. You put him in there, but you have a developmental budget of 30 million, right? What I'm saying yeah. is, is that kid that was a half star by the time he gets ready to hit 20 and get ready, gets ready to be put into rookie league. Like he may develop into like a two star guy. Like, I think that that's where, at least in my opinion, what I found, I think yeah. that that's where that developmental budget is really helping the most is those international free agent guys, because I haven't seen a correlation or a drop off like, guys not developing once they're in rookie league through triple a that's just me okay well that's interesting because i've had a substantial budget and i increased it a little bit more to see if my guys and right. the very you know the double a and the a and even triple a uh will develop faster because you know every once in a while i get a, a development report and you know i'll get five or six guys with a bunch of red dashes mm -hmm. thinking Geez, why are these guys, you know, I'm paying good money for, they're obviously on a team and you can see my staff. So the staff is good. You know, it's a pitcher. I've got a great pitching coach and a good manager. Uh, I've got a good development budget. Uh, mm -hmm. and, this guy, and he doesn't really have any bad attributes because I try to avoid those. And yet the guy has four dashes beside him. So I'm still trying to figure out how, why that is. And well, and the other, and the other thing you have to consider too is not just where your total budget is being entered, but also how you're dispersing that budget between your major league, your minor league, your amateur and your international scouting, right? Um, that, that development, you know, not, you know, for, for scouting, because if you're, if your budget is higher for, for example, like international scouting, you're going to bring better talent in per se. That's what you would, you would think. And so yeah. it's easier to develop that talent. That's why I'm saying there's, there's so many nuances to OOTP that, um, you know, I find interesting, but like I said, just through my experience, once again, you know, I've completely depleted my farm system in order to be essentially all in the next three or four years. But, um, 
I have not found a correlation between if you have like, let's say less than a $20 million development budget, the guy's not developing. Like, as a f matter of fact, like I would, I would actually say that if, if you look at a lot of the guys on my team that are kind of ready to go to the next level, if you will, like I have, I have pitchers that I drafted last year in like a ball or rookie league that I drafted in like round 14 or 15 that like, you know, the very end of the draft or round 12, excuse me for us. And, you know, they're developing just as well, if, if not better than everybody And my triple a level right now, pretty much everybody, but like three guys all have a green arrow ready to go to the pros. So, wow. you know, it's, it's, I think it's honestly, it's one of those things where this is one of those things where getting the right, prospect as you talked about right off the get-go is probably equally if not more important to their development than the actual system they go into that's my opinion okay no that's fair uh any yeah, other see. any other questions before we get out of here rob no i appreciate the i appreciate your time it's uh it's been fun uh it's a great league i really like uh it's a great league great owners uh gary does a fantastic job he does. Uh, yeah, and it's one of those things where, you know, um, this is the one you'll spend a lot of time on because it's so well run. It's exciting. Uh, it's also, I think, for, I'm in four. Uh, this is the most competitive. It's just got so many good owners. And, and the way it's run, it's really, really, you know, tight. You make a little error. Uh, you lose on a trade. You, <laughs> you're you're done for three years. <laughs> yeah, you're done drop five spots in the ranking kind of thing so uh which i like i think it's it's great and i try to put an, enough time into it to at least compete and i'm looking forward to uh you know competing over the next few, few seasons at least well thank you so much for your time rob um yeah we're definitely interested to see where winnipeg ends up uh today was our be a guest be our guest series on the podemic podcast with rob from the winnipeg possums we'll definitely have to keep an eye on his team and see where they end up. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much to Rob and we appreciate those that listen. Thank you very much. Have a great day, Rob. Thanks, Brian. You too. Cheers.